Thank you for tuning in and joining us wherever you may be out there. This was a great morning already. We're about to dig down into the Word and hear from the Lord Himself. So take your Bibles, open them up, click them, swipe them, however you get to it, head back to 1 John chapter 2. This entire series is called Blessed Assurance. I've met far too many folks in my life that think they have a relationship with God, that think they're going to heaven, that hope Jesus is their Savior. I don't want you to have a hope-so salvation. I want you to have a no-so salvation. I want you to know that you know that you know that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, that heaven is your eternal home, and that we are going to be there worshiping with every tribe, tongue, people, and nation gathered around the throne. And today is just a teeny tiny taste of what's to come. I want you to have blessed assurance. You do that by understanding that God is light. You understand that God is love, and you understand what life with Christ really looks like. Well, how can I know that I know? Well, this is not a works-based salvation verse, but look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 with me. This is the one we're learning as we go through chapter 2. What does it say? Now, by this, we know that we know him. What, church? If we keep his commandments. Good. Now, let's say it together. Throw some blanks in there. We've got it. Now, by this, we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Now, for the uninitiated, you may be here this morning saying, oh, okay. So, if I'll keep the Ten Commandments, I'm a Christian. (laughs) Wrong answer, Steve Harvey. You need to keep paying attention to what 1 John is going to teach. It's not a works-based salvation at all. But... Biblical faith works. Biblical faith manifests itself in good fruit, just like a tree that is healthy and strong with a good root produces good fruit. But you don't get oranges from an apple tree, and you don't get grapes from a fig tree. And so Christians are known by their fruit, and we are known particularly by our love one for another. That's not syrupy. That's not sappy. That's not sentimental love. It's action. It's actually servanthood for others. We're in our fourth of five messages out of 1 John chapter 2, and for each of these I've used a a song theme, a song title. I'm going to just go ahead and continue that this week and next week. And so, you know, the Lord just, I look at these texts and these songs come to mind. Remember the theologian Whitney Houston, I, I went from her first. How will I know? And what do her background singers say? Don't trust your feelings. Good. All right. You're an overcomer, Mandisa. Last week, what did we learn from Johnny Lee? None of y'all were here last week. (laughs) Looking for love. Yes, my family of heathens. You all know it too. Yes, of course. This week, we're going to go all the way back to a hit from 1956. Casey Kasem, what was it? It's from The Platters, and it is The Great Pretender. Now, how many of you, in all honesty, know the song, The Great Pretender? Just out of curiosity. Good, just seeing our generational spread here at Grace. All right. 1955. I love music from the 50s. I love tunes from the 60s. You can understand most of the lyrics. <laughs> um, I just like that stuff. The Platters, Tony Williams on lead vocal, released November 3rd, 1955. It reached the number one position on the R&B and pop charts in 1956. It's repopularized in 87 by Freddie Mercury and that little band called 
See, I know you know your stuff. Now, come on. we got to learn the Word of God like we know pop culture. Okay. So, because this one's so old, it's public domain now. And so let's watch this little lyric video of the great pretender and the platters are singing it. Check this out. Pay special attention to these lyrics. Y'all heard that now? You know that song? Good. There's an earworm for you. That'll be with you all day. Too real is this feeling of make-believe. Too real when I feel what my heart can't conceal. Oh, oh, yes. I love those guys. I mean, just smooth as melted butter, right? I'm the great pretender, just laughing and gay like a clown. Not gay like you think. He means it differently. I seem to be what I'm not, you see. I love that line. I seem to be what I'm not, you see. I'm wearing my heart like a crown, pretending that you're still around. Now, I know that's a dude singing about a lady. I get that. But there's a lot of that in the church, too, y'all. Christians are the greatest witness of Christ when a life is transformed, truly changed by and for the gospel. And Christians, in name, are some of the greatest hindrances to the gospel. When we put on our mask, and hypocrites in the Greek, it means mask wearer, and the world says, oh, just another one of those Christians. They're just a bunch of hypocrites. There you go. That's the great pretender. Stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word. Let's see how we can tell what the real deal is. 1 John 2, picking up verse 18. Little children, remember this fatherly, pastoral heart of John the Elder. Little children... It is the last hour, and friends, I believe it's the last hour now in 2021, and as you have heard that the Antichrist, capital A, is coming, even now many little a, Antichrists, plural, have come, just those against Christ. We studied that in other series here. They've come, by which we know that it's the last hour. Now watch this. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. Have I not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it? Or I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, he is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father 
also. This is super important Christology right here. So let's unpack it together. Pray with me. Father in heaven, thank you for loving us, for calling us to be your own, for letting us be the real deal. And Jesus, his son and our savior, thank you for dying on the cross that we might have a way to be reconciled with the Father. Thank you for rising again, for sitting at his right hand that you would mediate for us today, that you are our Lord and our Savior and precious Holy Spirit. All three members of that triune Godhead, Holy Spirit, you are here. You are here in every true brother and sister in Christ. You are here in us and among us. And I just pray that we will have eyes to see, that we will have ears to hear from our perfect triune God today for your glory, for our good, for the growth of the kingdom. I pray this in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. Amen. So let's take a look today at the great pretender versus the genuine believer, okay? Right at the top of your notes if you're taking them with me or on the app or out there. Uh, jot that down. The great pretender versus the genuine believer because what John's going to try to do is differentiate clearly who's in this category and who's in that category. So let's start with that, okay? Just a couple of pretty short points today. First, the great pretender denies Jesus Christ as revealed in Scripture. Now, before I say the second half, let me remind you, when I say Jesus Christ, I'm not saying a first name, last name. I'm not saying Bobby Lewis, Greg Coleman, Todd Harden. I'm not saying that. I'm saying Jesus, he would have been known in, in his day as Yeshua bar Yosef, Jesus, son of Joseph. We know that's not quite right, is it? But Jesus Christ, meaning Jesus, Yeshua Christos, Jesus the Messiah. Remember that Christ is just the Greek variant of the Hebrew Messiah. Jesus the chosen one. Jesus the anointed of God. Jesus the Savior. That's what we're reading when we see Jesus Christ. And so when you deny Jesus the Christ, if you want to put that little article in there, as revealed in Scripture, that, that's the great pretender. Their Christology's out of whack. And let me tell you, about every cult that's ever been started as a branch off Christianity starts in poor Christology, the study of Christ, versus the genuine believer who knows and accepts Jesus Christ fully. And I mean A to Z, friend, all of him, every part and every piece. So let's spend considerably more time on this point than the second one because I think it's so critical because, as I said, so many false faiths have gone out from among us and they err at the point of Jesus the Christ. Verse 18, little children, it's the last hour, meaning eschatologically, these are the final days. There's nothing left on the calendar, and that could be said today, 2,000 years removed. You've heard that the Antichrist is coming, capital A, and that's another subject for another day. I'll hit it just briefly. But now many Antichrists have come by which we know that it's the last hour. He said, but you guys are different. My true brothers and sisters, remember in and around Ephesus here, in where I'm writing to you, you guys are different, verse 20, because you have the Holy One. Now, when he says you know all things, he's just not saying, hey, Christian, you're supposed to be omniscient. No, no, no. He says about Jesus. You know everything you need to know about Jesus. Jesus is God in flesh. When you see Jesus, you see God. 
And so you know this Jesus who died for you, who was buried and raised by the power of God the third day, who has ascended to the right hand of the Father, who will come again to receive you unto himself and take you to be where he is that you may be there also. You know this master carpenter, this man and God, this God-man. You know the Son of God and God the Son. You know him. And you, when you do know him, because you're not wallowing in a lie, because Satan is a liar and the father of lies, and all of his cohorts are liars, you know the truth. You really know it. You know it beyond your head. You know it down deep in your heart. No, it's not about trusting your feelings, but it's about more than head knowledge as well. But who's a liar who denies that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ? Well, that one, anyone, they're an antichrist. And they deny the Father and they deny the Son. And if you deny the Son, you can't have the Father. But when you acknowledge the Son, you have the Father. Let me give you some insights from David Jackman. He was a renowned British evangelical Christian speaker. He wrote a great work called The Message of John's Letters. And he said that John knew he was involved in a battle for truth. And so were we. Now think about the way people talk right now. Well, it really doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe it. The Oprah narrative, you have your story. And if your story is different from my story, so be it. But the problem is we've eroded truth with a capital T, as Francis Schaeffer would like to say, and we no longer believe that anything objective corresponds to reality. It's happening even with the basic fundamentals of biology like XX and XY. Y'all know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I mean, people are denying basic truth. Well, you can have your truth and I'll have my truth, and relativity reigns. If it's true for you, that's fine. Just hold your belief sincerely. That's the goofiest thing I've ever heard. You don't live that way in the real world. You're out with your family. You're in the country. Your little girl sees some beautiful, juicy, delicious red berries. She sincerely believes they would taste wonderful. That something so beautiful could not possibly harm her. But truth be told, you have absolutely no idea what kind of red berry that is. Now, mamas, daddies, grandpas, grandmas, are you going to let your precious little one grab a handful of those berries just because she's sincere? She could be sincerely dead. Do you think the terrorists of 9-11 were sincere? Of course they were sincere. They're more sincere than a lot of us. They were sincerely wrong. In trying to fight a war for a God that doesn't exist, they're sincerely wrong. But sincerity does not equal reality. And it's possible to live in such a way that we pretend, we pretend we live in a world without absolutes. But in practice, we cannot live there. There's a structure of reality that exists. You can put your bed sheet on like I did as a little boy and have on your Superman underoos, and you can go to the top of your roof, and you can think that gravity for that moment does not apply to you. But as you are in the ER getting your cast put on, you will find that gravity applies to you, Superman. It applies to us all because this is the way God has made our world with absolutes. There is this structure that exists, and John's concern here is to say, how can we distinguish the true from the false in practice, the fake versus the real? Well, the fake denies Jesus Christ as revealed in Scripture. The genuine believer knows and accepts Jesus Christ fully. He says, it's the last hour. The word there in Greek is literally eschaton. It's translated by the word last. Think of it. He's saying, everybody from this point forward, everybody in my time that I'm writing to all the way to 2021, we are in the last 
hour. You say, Pastor, how long is that hour? I don't know. I don't know. A day is as a thousand years. A thousand years is a day. It could be that Jesus is coming this afternoon. It could be a thousand years from now. But I know what I'm charged to do. I know what you're charged to do. We're charged to be ready. Being ready is not just look to the eastern sky all slack-jawed like, come on, Lord, Maranatha. Be ready is work, work, drive, go, see people saved, see the kingdom enlarged, go and love people well in Jesus' name. Do all that God has called you to do with excellence for his glory. But at any moment, the trumpet could sound. The eastern sky could break apart. The dead in Christ should and could rise first. And those of us who are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. It could happen any moment. And you say, I don't believe any of that, Pastor Bobby. Well, when I'm going up, I'm going to say, <laughs> I told you so y'all remember that song I'll fly away I couldn't do it with my cape and Superman underroos but I can do it with Jesus I promise you so it says the last hour the latter days between Pentecost and the rapture of the church and then following a seven-year tribulation. I don't want to get off mark here because I've taught on this before, but towards the end, the last days, and, and now listen, y'all know this, but listen, anti-Christian forces will intensify. It's what the Bible teaches us. It is an anticipation of the moment of consummation when Christ returns. And until then, Christians are on our guard. We recognize the enemy and all of his cohorts and their tactics Y'all believe these are the last days? Man, if you don't, turn on Corona News, I mean CNN. Turn on the news for a little bit. These are the last days. There's some crazy people running around. That's all of them, by the way. Stay watchful and guarded and strong to the end. Don't be like that ball team that gives up too easily and quits in the third quarter. The readers knew about the predicted coming of the Antichrist, but he's saying there's more than just the one. There are many Antichrists. They embrace a non-Christian value and agenda. And John says many will display hostility and open opposition to Christ and his followers. And while this particular evil person may be revealed at some time in the future, the values and attitudes that drive him are seen any, even in John's day and certainly in our own. This is why John says many antichrists, plural, are in the world. False teachers that deny Christ in the flesh, that deny his deity. We read about it earlier. We'll see it again in 1 John chapter 4. But these are deceivers. They say, oh, Jesus didn't really come in the flesh. But before a person can truly be saved, they've got to be surrendered to the real Jesus. You, you, you can't just use the word Jesus and expect everybody to be talking about the same person. There is a more famous Bobby Lewis out there, considerably more. He has a lot more melanin in his skin than I, and he produced a hit song, again, way back in the good old days, called Tossin' and Turnin'. Y'all remember that song? Look it up. It's Bobby Lewis. I'd love to say Uncle Bobby, but then I'd be telling a falsehood. But y'all do know my Uncle Huey, right? Have you heard of my Uncle Huey? <laughs> it's the power of love, baby. All right, look. So, the f no, he's not really my uncle. Don't write me, okay? <clears throat> the fact that Antichrist, plural, have come proves the last hour is at hand. And the term is used in the Bible 
only by John. It's very interesting. John talks about this in multiple places, but he describes the Antichrist as part of three things. It's a, a spirit in the world that opposes or denies Christ. It's the actual false teachers themselves, like in our text, who embody that spirit. And then there's a person, Antichrist, capital A, singular, who will lead the final world rebellion against Christ. Now listen, all of them share one thing in common. They're all losers, okay? I'm just going to tell you straight. None of them are going to win in the end, but they're going to cause a lot of havoc from now to then. So the, pre the prefix ante has a dual meaning. It means in the Greek, both against. Now check this out. It's kind of cool. It means against, but it also means instead of. A lot of people in the world acting like antichrist instead of Christ. Oh, take this instead of him. Take this path instead of. You say, oh, no, 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 I'm not opposed to Jesus. You can have your Jesus, but let me give you another path of enlightenment. They're an antichrist. An antichrist. When I went to the birthplace of Buddhism, actually born in India, and when I went with a friend and saw the giant Buddha and saw a bunch of people there in their different states of meditation and such, I don't know that a single one of them would have come to me and said, oh, 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 we're that anti-Jesus, but let me give you another path. They would have said, let's try this instead of that. Try my practice instead of yours. And those are antichrists. And, of course, the term Antichrist with a capital A speaks to that one who emerges during the Great Tribulation to lead Satan's strategy on earth. He is identified as other messages in Scripture. That's beyond the scope of this message. But let me say, overzealous teachers of prophecy have often equated world leaders with the Antichrist, capital A. Be careful, please. I am not God, nor are you. Be slow to identify things that God has not explicitly revealed. Christians should not only be aware of that tendency and avoid it, but recognize that the spirit of Antichrist is operating in the world. So they're evoking his spirit, his name, even though he may or may not be around just yet. It's kind of like when our middle daughter, Holly, who's now 21, but when she was just a little squirt of a thing, she was a toddler, and we went to a... Um, uh, a hayride back in the day in the, on the, one of our family members' farms. And one of my daddy's best buddies in the world was named Mike. And my dad had brought to that hayride a, a mask, and it's a super scary mask. We actually still have it, and if my kids get out of line, I put it on and just stand over their bed at night while they sleep. No, I'm kidding. Be funny, though. But, but Mike put on this mask, and I don't think Holly had ever seen it. You know this story, don't you, sweetheart? And so... At some point in the night, Holly sees, now she loves Mr. Mike without the mask, but she sees Mr. Mike in the mask and absolutely flips her lid. I mean, it's one of those toddler moments where this child is truly, truly terrified. And so he rips the thing off and says, no, honey, it's just Mike, it's Mike, it's Mike. And so then, every time she would get scared, <laughs> I love you, but this was great, she would she would say, Mike, Mike, Mike. And we'd say, no, baby, it's not Mike. And Mike didn't even have to be anywhere around. And then we discovered that if Holly was acting up, because she did bear the nickname Hurricane Holly for a number of years, if she was acting up a little bit, all Cindy or I had to do, is this wrong? I don't know, but we'd say, Mike's coming. And she'd go, ah! You know, I mean, if I write a parenting book, I may not include that one. But can I tell you, uh, mamas and daddies, it was highly effective. I mean, she straightened up. 
You know, if she didn't want to go to bed and she came in our room, we'd say, that's fine, you can come in our room, but Mike's in the closet, you know? And so it really were, honest truth, right? Mike, she was scared of Mike for many, many years. Well, Mike wasn't a bad guy. Mike couldn't hurt her, but listen to me. The spirit of Mike is all we had to call on, and she was terrified. So whether the Antichrist, capital A, is in the world or not, let me tell you right now, the spirit of Antichrist is absolutely at work all around us in 2021. The spirit of Antichrist is trying to hurt people, murder, steal, kill, and destroy, and of course, most of all, keep them from Christ. And as adults in here, let's not be fooled by Satan and his cohorts. They'll show you beautiful, shiny things that will turn to rust and dust in the end because this world is full of fakes. Don't believe me? Go on a cruise and buy some jewelry. I'm just telling you, the world is full of fakes. There's an Antichrist spirit that denies the truth of the Son of God and the Word of God. And look at 20 and 21 again. You have an anointing from the Holy One. You know all things. I've not written to you because you don't know the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. The Spirit of God uses the inspired Word of God to communicate truth with us. You have an unction. That's the uh, old way we would have said it. An unction, an anointing. You know all things or and you know all could be the translation. Anointing, this is a great word, chrisma. Not charisma, but chrisma in Greek. It's actually the act of applying oil to dedicate a person or object for a particular function or service. But it also can mean that Jesus is the anointed one of God, the chosen one of God, and we as Christ followers have been anointed, chosen indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and as little Christ, we are anointed by him to be God's ambassadors, God's representatives of Christ on this earth. So John's readers knew the truth about Christ, or they would not have been saved, and he calls them saints, so these are saved men and women, saved young people. You know the truth because you have the Spirit of God. The unction, the anointing of the Spirit teaches you all things. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of God, he doesn't belong to him, Romans 8, 9. John assures his readers that they have full protection against the lies of the Antichrist. But the greatest lie of all, friend, is that Jesus isn't the Christ. The greatest lie of all is that Jesus isn't the Christ. You see, there are many that would say, well, Jesus is just one of many in a religious line of leaders. No, friends, he's not one of many. And one of the biggest challenges when we share Christ in polytheistic cultures, like among our Hindu friends, is that you can't just take a little smattering of Jesus and add him to your litany of God, because all of those are false and fake. And you say, how can you say that in 2021? Because I must be biblically correct and not worry about PC-ness. I cannot say that Jesus is equal We cannot buy the lie that Jesus is one among many. Jesus is the Christ, the only Christ, the Son of the living God. And John says all true Christians know God and have received the Spirit of God because they believe the truth and then they'll recognize a lie when they meet him. The key question for a Christian or really anyone is who is Jesus Christ? Is he merely a good example? A good man, a wonderful teacher, or is Jesus God in the flesh? Is he God incarnate? It changes everything. Who is a liar? 
but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Do you know false teachers will often say, oh, we worship God. We believe in God. Oh, we believe in Jesus too. I've had him come into my home, black pants, white shirts, elder badge. Oh, we believe in Jesus too. Oh, no, my friend, that's a different Jesus. Oh, no, 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 no. We're talking a different Jesus altogether. I'm not talking about Jesus, son of Lucifer, uh, brother of Lucifer. I'm talking about Jesus, son of God. I'm not talking about Jesus, one of many. I'm talking about Jesus, the one and only. You're talking about a different Jesus than I'm talking about. Oh, you're going to hurt their feelings. I'd rather hurt their feelings and see them go to heaven than keep them all nice and warm and fuzzy and watch them walk right into hell. You got to love folks enough. You got to love folks enough to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're talking about two different people here. You're talking about a different Jesus. Because false teachers in John's day, remember the Gnostic heresy, the Gnostics are saying, oh, we have a special knowledge, and we have a special anointing. We have an unction from God. We are illuminated, so you've got to come and be like us before you can get to God. Anybody that tells you that is full of something. John points out that all true Christians know God and have received the Spirit of God because they believe the truth. So you see, to deny the Son is to deny the Father. You cannot separate the Father and the Son. Jesus himself said in John 10, 30, I and my Father are one. He made it very clear that true believers honor both the Father and the Son. John 5, 23, Jesus said, He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. So if you say you worship one God but leave Jesus out of your worship, you are not worshiping the God of the Bible. This is why the God of Islam, now listen to me, folks, This is why the God of Islam, called Allah, is not the same God as Jehovah God of the Bible. The God of Islam is one, yes, monotheistic, but Jesus is not God, and the Holy Spirit is not God. Jesus was merely a later prophet of Allah. And so even though we want to try to be warm, fuzzy, and PC and say, well, they're worshiping the same God, different name, that would be false. In fact, listen, that would be an antichrist statement. This instead of that. No, 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 no. They are different. And there are some very prominent preachers preaching today that we can all be on the same platform and you can use your name of God and you can use your name and you call out Krishna and you call out Allah and I'll call out Jehovah and Kumbaya, love, peace, bacon, grease, let's hold hands and we're talking to the same being. What, Steve Harvey? Wrong. That's not the same at all. And it does them no good to act as though all of these gods are the same. We must worship the one true God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All three are highlighted in this text. So, the great pretender denies Jesus Christ is revealed in Scripture. The The genuine believer knows and accepts Jesus Christ fully. Secondly, one, the pretender, leaves the family of faith eventually... The other continues on with true believers. Did you see it in 19? They, these antichrists, went out from us, meaning they had been part of the fold for a while, but they were not of us, meaning of the same substance. For if they had been of us, they would have stayed, remained, abided, continued with us, but they went out. 
that they might be made manifest, it all comes to light, that none of them were of us. I've done some cult study here, I've done some comparative religion, some comparative denomination study, and if you study the history of cults and anti-Christian or quasi-Christian religions around the world, you will find that many, particularly in the West, if not most cases, have emerged from the Christian church, emerged from a Christian foundation, including guys like Joseph Smith and Mormons, including the beginnings of Jehovah's Witnesses, and I could go on and on and on and on and on. Ultimately, anti-Christ, little a, plural, disassociate themselves with those who hold orthodox Christian doctrine, but they originate from within the church, and they'll take time to surface. John points out that their eventual apostasy is proof that they were not simply confused, untaught Christians, but because they so vigorously opposed the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth is revealed in the Bible about who God is, the truth is that they were never in the family to begin with. Their behavior confirms the heresy of their beliefs. Now listen to me. That doesn't mean that everyone who leaves a church in particular is an antichrist. That's not at all what he's saying. But when a person or group separates themselves into an elite, holier-than-thou huddle, exclaiming that they have a special knowledge, something's wrong, you better stay away. We had a group like that where I pastored for a number of years. The pastor went into the church, created some havoc, didn't stay there very long, basically told them, I know better than all of y'all, and so I'm leaving, and I'm taking whoever wants to come with me. And so what did some of the people do? (laughs) Right? They just went right on after him. They just followed after him, and he had the nerve, and then they became this little elitist cult, and he had the nerve to call the group the remnant. The remnant. Like they were the special chosen holy ones and everybody else around that church was wrong. It didn't happen in our church. It happened in a sister church not far from us. But I thought, what pride. Now it exploded and it went the way they all do. It it fizzled out. But what arrogance to think we've got a lock on truth and so we'll separate ourselves. Remember what the apostle Peter said in 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. Be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a what, church? Roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings were experienced by your brotherhood in all the world. See, one of the evidence of a true Christian life is a desire to be with, now listen, and stay with the people of God. We know that we've passed from death to life because we love the brethren, 1 John three fourteen. When people share the same divine nature, when they're indwelt by the same Holy Spirit, they want to enjoy fellowship with one another. I don't mean Christians want to be gathered in a church 24-7, but let's be real. True believers enjoy the company of other true believers. Am I right? True believers want to hang out with true believers. And if everybody you hang out with is not a true believer, that's, I know we, we should all have lost friends. We probably have lost family, and that's okay. But that's to hopefully be a light to them and lead them to Christ. Hopefully, as a true believer, you want to hang out with true believers because my spirit is bearing witness with your spirit that we are children of God. You are my brothers and sisters. Now, I know there's always a crazy uncle or two in the family. I'm not going to point to y'all, but I, yeah, I saw a few over there. Yeah, they're on both sides of this place. I'm going to just tell y'all. 
And you say, well, I don't know any crazy Christians. Hello. I'm probably talking about you. The reality is, though, that when we share this nature, when we share this Savior, we are going to endure. The ultimate test of true Christianity really is endurance. The departure of people from the truth in the church is often their unmasking. So the counterfeit Christians or the Antichrist mentioned here didn't remain in the fellowship of faith. They went out. Now, that doesn't mean staying in a church makes one saved. I mean, this is not just one local body, by the way. It's not just, oh, they left grace, so they're lost. No, 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 no. No, that's far too narrow in thinking. It's much broader than that. I mean leaving the family of faith. That's why I said family of faith. In the parable of the sower, Jesus makes it clear that only those who would produce fruit are truly born again. It's possible to be close to an experience of salvation, even have some characteristics that would pass as Christian and yet not be a child of God. Warren Wearsby wisely said this, there are many unfortunate divisions among the people of God today, but all true Christians have things in common regardless of church affiliation. They believe the Bible is the word of God and that Jesus is the son of God. They confess that men are sinners and that the only way one can be saved is through Jesus Christ. They believe that Christ died as man's substitute on the cross and that he rose again from the dead. They believe the Holy Spirit indwells true believers. And finally, they believe one day in the future, Jesus Christ will come again. Now, we might disagree some on church government or even modes of baptism, but we've got to agree on the main things. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. We'll agree there. If we can be united around Christ, united in our faith, there's a power there. Now, what about people you know that have left the church? I don't, again, I don't just mean Grace Baptist Church. I mean the Christian church. You would come to me and you would say, Pastor, they walked an aisle, signed a card, got wet when they were a little boy, but they just have had nothing to do with Christians or Christianity since then. Are they a true believer? I'm going to say, what's the fruit? Yes, I know the argument can be made, only God knows their heart, and only they and God know, and it's personal, and all of this and that, but where's the fruit? What does the Bible say? If they had been with us, they would have continued. And let's be honest, dear mama, whose heart is breaking, dear daddy, let's be honest and call a spade a spade. It sounds like that one truly needs Jesus. It sounds like that one is more than just a prodigal. A prodigal will return. But if someone chooses to withdraw from the family of faith and never return, everyone here knows that answer. Oh, yes, I'm the great pretender. Pretending that I'm doing well, my need is such I pretend too much. I'm lonely, but no one can tell. Yes, I'm the great pretender, adrift in a world of my own. I've played the game, but to my real shame, you've left me to grieve all alone. You see, God wants to draw them in. God wants to draw them to himself. John 6, 44. John wants to draw them. But God will not force anyone. Between the power of sovereignty and free will, God will allow us to receive or reject his son. So what I would say to you is don't leave them out there pretending. 
be a light in their life and share Jesus with them, even if they throw in your face, but I walked that aisle and I signed that card and I got baptized. Oh, oh, yes, but it sure sounds like you're the great pretender. So what have we learned? The great pretender denies Jesus Christ as revealed in Scripture and they will leave the family of faith. The genuine believer knows and accepts Jesus fully and then they continue with other true believers. I want to close with another song from the Platters. It's just funny how this worked. As I was looking up some of their old videos, I came across this song. It's another one that I love. And I thought it was just perfect. It's an oldie goldie. It hit the number one position in the U.S. R&B charts for seven weeks. Ringo Starr and the Beatles covered it in 1974. Many other artists have covered it over the years. And what is the hope that we can share with the world? What is the hope we as Christ followers can share with the world? I think the hope is found right here in the lyric. Imagine for a moment, this is not just a song between a guy and a gal. Imagine this is a song between a sinner and his only hope of salvation. A sinner and his only savior. And listen to this lyric as we close. Only you can do make others well seem right. Only you can do make the darkness bright. Only You gotta love this. Listen. Oh. Look at that. That's Jesus Christ right there, folks. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. I'm singing to you later tonight, baby. I'm singing to you. I mean, think about that. Only you can make this change in me. Only you are my destiny. Man, that's all about Jesus. I don't know who they thought they were singing to. But fellas, I promise you, if you go to your girl and sing like that, you're going to get some sugar tonight. I'm going to just tell you right now. That's a surefire way right there. Only Jesus can make this world seem right. Only Jesus can make the darkness bright. Only Jesus can fill our hearts with love and make a lasting change in us. Why? Because Jesus really is our destiny. So have you trusted him today? Do you know that you know that you know him today? Does he know you or are you wearing a mask like Mike? What's it going to be? Are you the real deal or are you the great pretender? Stand with me this morning. there's any part or piece of you, any part or piece of you that says, Pastor, truthfully, I don't know. 
I hope so. I think so. I want to be the real deal, but I don't know. Man, we have a whole host of pastors and counselors that would love to spend a few minutes taking you to the Word of God to show you the truth of God, reveals the heart of God that shows you how you can know that you know that you know. You do not have to wait. Out there online, there are people standing by ready to help you. You just have to let us know through whatever channel you're watching, I need somebody to help me. I need assurance. There are some of you today that have played the game far too long. It's time to quit. Take off your mask. Be a hypocrite no more and come into the family of faith. There'll be people ready to receive you here on the wings. You just come. You can also come after the service. Come to the kiosk where Miss Cindy and I will be standing and we'll get you all the help you're going to need today. Some of you say, you know, I know I'm good, but I've got fill in the blank, family member, friend, coworker, neighbor. I've got a son or a daughter, a mommy or a daddy. And they sure need Jesus. Why wouldn't you step out from that place, that pew of comfort? Why wouldn't you step out and hit this holy altar on your face before a holy God on a holy day asking a holy request? God, would you use me even today or this week to pour the truth back into them? I love them too much to remain silent anymore. You say, I don't even know how I'd start the conversation. I'll give you a hint. Start with I'm sorry. I should have told you this a long time ago. Some of y'all need to pray for some lost friends or family. Well, I don't know if they're really lost. Yes, you do. Sure you do. You need to come. Let's just get real. Take out the pretense. Be a man. Be a woman. Pray for them. Some of you say, boy, this is a cool place. I like it here. You're speaking truth, and, and I sense God in this place, and I want to be a part. What do I do? We'll be here to help you with that, too. You know anybody lost? then the altar should be full. That's all I'll say about that. Father in heaven, thank you for your love. Thank you for your call on our lives. And thank you that when we're genuine and in the faith, there's a continuance, an endurance to that call. No, we're not going to be perfect. Yes, there may be seasons where we are backslidden, but we will never fall away and stay away. Some of us need to pray right now, some for ourselves, some as intercessors for others. I pray we would flood this altar with requests so that you are looking down saying, now they're getting it. Now they're having my heart. God, would you do in the final moments what only you can do now, in Jesus' name and for his glory, amen. Please come, the altar's open. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe, your holy presence living in me. This is my daily bread. This is my daily bread. Your very word spoken to me, and I.
I'm desperate for you. Without you. 